Hey, Scott Walker here. Thanks for joining us on our podcast, You Can't Recall Courage. Boy, a bunch of big things to talk about, not just limited to the one topic today. Uh, RNC convention this week, president's speech last night, uh, late uh, into the evening. want to talk about that, but first, top of my mind, of course, here in my beloved state of Wisconsin, and uh, the tragic scenes we've seen play out over the past week in Kenosha, a town that uh, I know well. Uh, we raised our family in Wauwatosa, just down the way from Kenosha over the years, uh, even though it's a traditionally uh, somewhat of a Democrat labor-type city. Uh, you had the old Chrysler and A&C plants there. Uh, it's an area I've carried, though, in the past, and uh, an area that historically was Democrat, but kind of the blue-collar Democrat. I've done well, and amazingly, actually, President Trump carried the county, not the city, but the county, uh, four years ago, but uh, historically has had Democrat representatives in the state legislature. Uh, and up until uh, Mark Newman, who pre- uh, preceded uh, Paul Ryan in Congress, was represented for many, many years by Les Aspen. I, I grew up down the way in Delavan, was the congressman in that area, although he was kind of one of those traditional blue dog Democrats. E- anyway, enough of the demographics and political uh, landscape in, in uh, Kenosha. More than anything, it's just tragic. If you look at uh, what's transpired, it's tragic for everyone. Tragic for uh, Jacob Blake uh, and his family. I thought his mother in particular gave some really heartfelt words asking people to stop the violence. I hope those uh, I hope those words reach as many people, not only in Kenosha, but anybody thinking about coming for whatever reasons to Kenosha, uh, they think about uh, stopping all the violence. Um, certainly uh, tragic for the members of the Kenosha Police Department and increasingly tragic for the people of, uh, of Kenosha. Um, you know, it took, it's sad when you think about it, uh, you had three nights in a row uh, with, uh, and, and eventually two deaths uh, before we really started to get the kind of leadership that was needed there. Uh, city overwhelmingly uh, uh, was just overcome uh, by all this violence. And Remember, there is in Wisconsin a process, the Wisconsin Department of Justice, uh, which is overseen by a Democrat attorney general, uh, was uh, looking into this. There's an independent investigation. They need to look at all the facts, as we've seen. When any of us saw the video, the video itself is horrible to look at and, and difficult uh, because of just how, you know, on one side, it's it's one has to question uh, why so many shots were fired. On the other hand, as the days have gone by, even before the investigation is completed, we've started to see another video clip. We've seen other information. We've seen that uh, the individual actually had uh, a knife. We don't know what other things were in the vehicle. All those things will come out over time, but there needs to be this independent investigation. And I learned a long time ago as governor, before that as a county executive, that you don't rush to judgment one way or the other. You can obviously be concerned. You can be disturbed. Certainly, I think all of us were disturbed about uh, what we initially saw uh, in the first video. But but you have to get a full understanding of what's happening uh, before rushing out to make judgment. And you saw it from the Democrat governor, Tony Evers, here. You saw it later from Mandela Barnes, the Democrat lieutenant governor. In fact, law enforcement agencies from throughout the state have denounced both of them. And, and just yesterday and Thursday, the Kenosha News, a, a newspaper that endorsed my opponent when I first ran for governor, has historically endorsed many Democrats, came out and really took apart uh, the governor. In fact, specifically 
uh, I noted this at the end of their editorial. It said about the governor, Evers' statement on Sunday fueled the fire before any rioters got here. His insufficient response has put a Wisconsin city and its residents in danger. Now he needs to do everything the state can to help Kenosha and protect its citizens. It's about time he did something and more may be needed immediately. That's from the Kenosha News editorial. Sadly, Joe Biden's statement was very similar to what the governor originally put out. He talked about excessive force. He talked about holding police officers accountable. He said nothing about uh, violence at the time of his original statement. And uh, as law enforcement has said here about the governor's statement, as the local newspaper said about the governor's statement, statements like that, again, you can certainly look at that video. You can be disgusted, disturbed, whatever the phrase by what's happened there. But but you have to put it in context that there still needs to be a thorough review and everyone across the board should be capable. There, this is a, a leadership test 101 of calling out the fact that there cannot be violence. There cannot be violence. Uh, and uh, sadly, we didn't see that. It took, like I said, three nights of fires and mayhem. And sadly, on that last night, two deaths uh, before the governor finally accepted uh, the assistance that the president and his team were willing to provide. I talked to Brian Stile, the congressman from that area, again, just last night. Thank God for him stepping up and working with local officials. And um, the original, uh, he made the call to the president. The president had Mark Meadows uh, reach out to the governor. The governor's people didn't get the governor back to him right away, which is remarkable, um, and initially told him they didn't need it. And then I think after all the pushback, finally a day ago, um, not coincidentally, I think, you had all at one time, within about an hour's time that afternoon, you had the governor saying yes uh, to the offer of assistance from the president. You had the attorney general who had said nothing up until this point uh, about the riots, denounce the violence. And then you finally, on on uh, on uh, Twitter, uh, Joe Biden posted a statement and then put up a video where, again, uh, he uh, he jumped right to the conclusion uh, about all this, but at least, thankfully, said something about violence uh, and denounced that. Uh, I'd like to think that was because he wised up, but I think realistically, uh, from what we heard the night before, when Don Lemon and, and Cuomo were talking before, uh, or the banter between shows, uh, Don Lemon said out loud, but he probably shouldn't have, and that is, uh, that they need to do something about this because it was showing up in the focus groups. It was showing up in the polling. You see, Americans, and specifically people here in my state of Wisconsin, they want reform. It's why I've said repeatedly, you know, if, if the pro athletes want to do something really positive, get behind Tim Scott's bill. He's been working on this for years. As he said on Monday, he's got a comprehensive package, the Justice Act, that he believes, and I think he's right about this, that Senate Democrats refuse to allow to go forward mainly because they wanted, as he said, this to be a political issue in the campaign. They didn't want to concede that, even though this would have provided much-needed reform. You can be for reform. You can look at what happened at George Floyd, knowing all the facts now, and say that is wrong. And the president said it, the vice president said it, I said it, Republicans as well as Democrats. People across the country denounced that. Uh, We know that is wrong. Uh, And in fact, the former police officer involved with that killing has now been charged. Uh, But you also, I think voters and just people in general, not only do they want reform, they want improvements, they they also want to do so in a way that's safe. 
Uh, and when you start burning things down, when you start hurting people, as we've seen not just in Kenosha, we saw it a month ago in Madison where a state senator, a Democrat, was beaten by, by rioters. I don't call them protesters. Protests are peaceful. Uh, I'm all, that's fine having peaceful protests. But, but so often elements of this break out and we saw statues being ripped down. We've seen buildings, small businesses being burned. Uh, we, we've seen people being assaulted. This has got to stop. And thank God uh, the president persevered, his team persevered. There are now members of the National Guard, uh, per his involvement, coming in from other states to help the Wisconsin National Guard. I said early on um, they needed to step up what was happening there. I, I said you need to have an overwhelming presence. That's how you restore peace. Uh, it's not to uh, exert power, but rather to establish the peace uh, several years ago. In Milwaukee, in the Sherman Park neighborhood, we had the start of something that could have very well erupted into what we've seen in Kenosha. I was governor at the time. I reached out to the mayor, reached out to the sheriff. The mayor, amazingly, did not want massive state assistance. The sheriff did, uh, Sheriff Clark at the time. And so what we did is worked out a plan where we sent members of the Wisconsin State Patrol into Sherman Park to assist uh, the the, uh, sheriff and his team got things under control. We also called up the Wisconsin National Guard. We had them fully ready with vehicles and and, uh, and full equipment, and we put them in a transit center a few blocks away from Sherman Park, and we let people know. I, I mentioned it publicly. I'd called up the guard. I didn't immediately put them on the street because we didn't we didn't want to inflame things even more than need be, And but we had them ready, uh, not hours away, not miles away, but but just a few minutes away. And then, probably most importantly, uh, the local clergy, who we talked to a day after, and um, to their credit, one of the bishops from one of the larger churches in that community and other clergy stepped up and, and came out on the streets and helped defuse the situation. All those things were needed and continue to be needed uh, in Kenosha, uh, that not one thing alone is going to stop this. Uh, but I said, you've got to have a massive show of support. We needed uh, other local law enforcement, and they came out in droves. We needed the National Guard, not at a slow pace, not 125 or 200 or more. We needed, I argued, thousands of people on street, in the streets to deal with the masses that were causing the destruction and mayhem. And we needed uh, assistance from the federal government. Thankfully, that's happening. What we don't need, we didn't need before and we don't need now, are people coming in from outside of Kenosha who are not a part of law enforcement. We don't need people in militias. We don't need people who are there to riot. We need peace. We need to restore the peace and go through this independent process to get to the bottom of what happened in this case. Uh, the sad reality is we see it all across America. And we've seen it in Seattle and Portland and Chicago and New York and now in Kenosha, we saw it previously in Madison. The one common denominator, the president's right about this, these are all Democrat-led uh, cities. And to his credit, he stood up and said, not just in Kenosha, before this, he was going to offer assistance. They need to request it. They need to set aside whatever. And I don't think that's true in Kenosha, but elsewhere, they need to set aside whatever political biases they have and, and actually get the help because the fundamental role I don't care whether you're Republican or Democrat, the one common denominator is we should all believe uh, the fundamental role of the government is to provide safety for our citizens. 
We didn't have that before. We need to have that now, thanks to the president for stepping up in Kenosha. When we come back, I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, the president's speech and really the week that was quite remarkable uh, for the, the participants and the viewers of the Republican National Convention. We'll be right back. Hey, Scott Walker back here. Thanks so much for joining us on our podcast, You Can't Recall Courage. Wow. Uh, after all that I said about Kenosha on the upbeat side of things, looking at what happened this week, uh, nationwide, in, in terms of the Republican National Convention, um, the the reality is, I, I got to tell you, after the DNC convention, which I thought was, I thought Biden's speech was good. Uh, I thought uh, Kamala Harris's speech was good. They didn't say much of anything. That's why I thought the line the president had last night about, you know, Biden talking about darkness. The real reality is he wants to keep the voters in the dark about just how radical his agenda is. I think that's exactly right. Uh, I thought most of the stuff was prepackaged. Uh, the whole virtual thing, I thought it was a little flat, but I thought all in all, they, they weren't bad. Uh, I, I thought it was more about what they didn't say than what they said uh, that troubled me and should trouble voters out there. But I, I didn't know what to expect. I mean, I thought with all the changes, with all the commotion, it is clear they had clearly thought uh, about the message they wanted to present. And, and I thought every day of the convention was spectacular. I mean, Boy, on Monday, I mean, all the speakers, up and down, there's too many to name all, but Herschel Walker, what a great testimonial. Nikki Haley, uh, right on the mark. Tim Scott, I actually thought my friend Tim Scott gave one of the best speeches I've ever heard, not just at a convention, but but overall. I mean, talk about his family story of going from cotton to Congress in one lifetime and then tying that in, not just to him, but talking about giving hope for the next American century. I mean, talk about optimism. I, I had said last week when I was a commentator each night on, on many of the shows that, that I had hoped uh, that instead of just laying out the contrast for which we needed to do, and we did, I think quite effectively, that there needed to be optimism. There needed to be a plan, a vision going forward. That actually started even before the convention last week and the Trump campaign, the Trump-Pence campaign laid out a really quite aggressive agenda uh, for the next four years on the economy, on health, on coronavirus, uh, just across the board. Uh, everything from 10 million jobs uh, created in 10 months uh, to bringing manufacturing back from uh, from China to dealing with the coronavirus to dealing with ensuring everyone with a pre-existing condition is covered to protecting Medicare and Medicaid uh, to helping with prescription drug costs. I mean, there's just a long litany of things that they talked about and the president, not only the president talked about, it, I thought the beginning of the hour of the president's speech, or the hour that his, the president's speech began in, uh, what was uh, a, what I hope will be a video released uh, that highlighted that very agenda. So it's about not just what they've accomplished, but where they want to go in the next four years, which having won three elections in a battleground state like Wisconsin, I know you can't just talk about the past, you got to talk about the future. And clearly, this agenda looks to the future. I here in the local press was pushing back on the on the state party, saying, "Well, last week there were all of these Democrat politicians from Wisconsin. They got a chance to speak. the The mayor, the congresswoman, the U.S. Senate, one of the U.S. senators. There's one Republican, one Democrat. The Democrat, obviously, the the governor, lieutenant governor. All of them spoke from Milwaukee. That was the only connection, quite frankly, to Milwaukee. Uh, I always thought Joe Biden could have given his speech from Milwaukee, even if it was to an empty convention center. 
his campaign said, oh, no, 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 he couldn't do that. He wouldn't want to endanger all of the people who'd have to set up the lights and stage and everything else uh, because of coronavirus. So instead, they endangered people at the convention center in Wilmington, Delaware, which was, to me, a total cop-out. Uh, it's remarkable. We went back and looked. Joe Biden hasn't been here at all during the presidential campaign. Uh, he hasn't been in Wisconsin in 2019 or in 2020, even before coronavirus. Last time he was here was the end of October in 2018. That, to me, seems to be making a critical mistake like Hillary Clinton did. But but all that aside, um, they you know were saying, well, why aren't there more Wisconsin politicians involved? And I love the contrast to that was you had <laughs> – you had a farmer, a couple of manufacturers, a family that benefited from our expansion of parental school choice. You had all these everyday uh, people from Wisconsin, as well as from elsewhere, but just telling these extraordinary stories and, and telling about how the president and his policies have helped them here in Wisconsin and in places all across this great country. I just thought that was powerful. And it's a great contrast between one party that we heard from last week, who believes in the power of the government, and another, the other party, our party, the Republican Party, who believes in the power of the individual. I, I just thought that was so brilliantly articulated day in and day out. Uh, I, I guess got to tell you, so many, so many great speeches, so many great, great moments. Um, I, I just looked again and again and again and again. I thought the nun the other night was unbelievable. I thought um, the the Attorney General uh, from Utah who who had one of the most diverse uh, backgrounds, but, but talked about uh, the president's uh, leadership on, on, on issues that mattered to victims. I, I thought so many of the women who spoke night after night after night, I just thought there were so many great stories. But I got to tell you, one of the most moving moments to me, and, and I encourage folks who were following me on, on Twitter in particular, I'm on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and all that. <laughs> but I told people... Um, I literally cried uh, when I heard Ann Dorn, the, the widow of uh, retired St. Louis police captain David Dorn, who, as we, I'm sure every one of you listening knew, know, uh, was was killed in one of these riots so so senselessly. But I just thought her comments, um, uh, her the widow uh, uh, of Captain Dorn, oh, so powerful, so real. I encourage people and. And so far, I think it's over 5,000 people have retweeted, uh, and I'm sure they've done it in other platforms, not just mine, but but her video, because if there's one video to pass around, to me, it would be that one. Um, I thought, again, so many others laid out the case. I thought Mike Pence's, uh, Mike Pence did an incredible job of defending uh, and promoting, not just defending, promoting uh, this administration's record. I thought he did a really good job of, uh, building the indictment against Joe Biden and uh, how bad he would be for this country, how radical uh, his agenda has become despite running as a moderate, how he's handed off uh, his agenda to the radical left, to the, the Bernie Sanders of the world. Uh, I thought Ben Carson was remarkable, and, and I give him credit. Uh, he mentioned Jacob Blake and his family, specifically Jacob's mother calling for an end to the violence I think that was another common thread that, you know, Republicans, including the president, the vice president, myself and others, we all called out what happened to George Floyd. That was obvious and clear. It's why he's the the former officer, is a former officer that was involved with that. It's why he's being charged. Uh, 
in, in Minneapolis. But at the same time, you can be disturbed uh, by the, albeit a limited number of cases like this uh, across the country, you can be concerned uh, about that. And Tim Scott talked about this on Monday when he talked about his Justice Act that he's been working on for years that would provide law enforcement reform. And I think he was right. He said it then as he said before, it was Senate Democrats who blocked that (coughs) from going forward, as he believes, and I think he's right as well, because they they ultimately want this to be a political issue more than they want to pass reforms that will help the country. Uh, but but I, I think people get it. They understand that we want reform, but we also, um, and, and we want to get rid of the, the few bad cops that are out there, but we also want to uh, defend uh, the police, the, the good and decent, honorable, which are the vast majority, men and women in our law enforcement agencies across this country who are literally risking their lives every single day to keep us safe. And, and we need to make sure that whether it's in Kenosha or Madison or Chicago or New York or Portland or Seattle or anywhere in America, big or small like, that we maintain the peace, that you can have peaceful protests, but the, the burning down, the looting, the rioting, the, the killing, the, the violence just cannot happen. And I thought the president and others were right to point that out. I think the president's, as usual, the president's uh, words were more than just rhetoric. He backs it up with action. And uh, as I said last week when I was on Meet the Press and uh, (laughs) Chuck Todd tried to sandbag me with a a video that came out of of, uh, 2015, five years ago, when I got out of the race. That September, I got out of the race. And and I got to tell you back then, I didn't know what to expect uh, of Donald Trump. I didn't know if he'd govern as a conservative. And I said we needed other conservatives to get out of the race to consolidate around someone with a positive conservative message. I look back now and I I realize that this president, and I supported him in the election. I spoke at the convention four years ago um, because I knew that uh, four years of Hillary Clinton just on the Supreme Court alone, with that one vacancy was enough. I looked at my friend Mike Pence, who I was honored to nominate on Monday at the RNC, and, and I said, if this is the kind of quality people he's going to put around him, this is the, you know, it was Pence and the judiciary that were the driving forces for me to be actively involved and help carry the state of Wisconsin. But I got to tell you, I've been pleasantly surprised when I look at uh, the president passing and signing the law, one of the largest tax cuts in American history, a tax cut that benefits nearly every American, a tax cut that Joe Biden wants to repeal and get rid of. When I look at the the uh, the uh, appointments, the nominations uh, that he has made to the federal court, not just the Supreme Court, I mean, people actually uphold the Constitution. They don't make laws, uh, they uphold the law. Uh, when I look at this administration being, I believe, the most pro-life administration ever. When I look at the regulatory reform that helps small businesses and other employers to the point where we, not too long ago, before this global pandemic, had the lowest, the lowest unemployment rate in a half a century and the lowest ever recorded for groups like African-American workers, Hispanic workers, uh, um, Asian-American workers, people with disabilities, uh, veterans. Uh, This president has delivered on his promises. And I say this all the time. You know, Washington, D.C. is filled with politicians who say all the right things but don't do squat. 
Donald Trump may not always talk or tweet the way we do here in the Midwest in particular, certainly not the way I talk or tweet sometimes. Uh, But in the end, he actually gets the job done. And if I've got to pick between a talker and a doer, I'm going to pick a doer every single time. That's, I think, what's ultimately at stake. Someone who's acting on behalf of the American people. You may not always like every every tone, every tweet, every comment out there, but in the end, this is someone who is fighting for the American people. He will probably be the only American president in our history to come out of the White House less wealth with less wealth than he had going in. He didn't need this. He already had fame. He had celebrity. He had money. Uh, this is someone who was just fed up with the broken promises of the Washington elite, an elite that, uh, well, Joe Biden's been a part of for nearly half a century, and he stepped up because he loves, he is a, a deep and abiding love for America and for the American people, just like Mike Pence. And together they form a fabulous team, proven chief executives who know how to get things done. That's what's at stake in this election. Are we gonna have four more years of that or are we gonna go back, uh, go back to a time when not only is the Washington inside crowd in in charge, but the radical element of that, we've seen it fail in the Soviet Union. We're seeing it fail uh, in places like Venezuela today. America is not a socialist country. It cannot be, and this election is all about that. So uh, until next week, keep fighting for freedom. I'm Scott Walker. Thanks for joining us.